Voting is one of the most important rights and responsibilities in our democracy. And I want to thank Arizonans for making their voices heard and voting in record numbers. The votes have been tabulated. All 15 counties have certified their results. Welcome to the Political Notebook Podcast. I'm Billy Robb. I'm a high school teacher. And I'm Robert Robb, editorial columnist for the Arizona Republic and Billy's dad. On today's episode, I want to explore the potential effects of the voting fraud claims being pushed by the Trump loyalists in the Republican Party. The voice to open the podcast was Arizona Governor uh, Doug Ducey speaking during the certification of the election results here. And the simple act of following state law caused him to be attacked by Trump on Twitter and then by the Trump loyalists in his own party. Uh, these uh, Trump loyalists in the state have since been advocating essentially for the state legislature to go back into session in order to uh, reverse the results of the election and, and give the state electors to Donald Trump uh, instead of Joe Biden. Um, Ducey has patiently explained in, in various contexts, Twitter and in press conferences, the reasons why uh, the certification or the election process in Arizona was legitimate. He explained why it was his legal duty as governor to certify the uh, election after the 15 counties had certified their results. And yet the uh, the attacks and the and the claims uh, continue despite loss after loss in in court. So um, first question is this: uh, Is there any explanation of these of these claims of voter fraud uh, other than just demonstrating loyalty to Trump? And uh, uh, do you think this is evidence that Trump is going to maintain a grip on Republican politics uh, as, as we move on? Um, or do you see this as kind of like the the grand finale of of Trumpism, uh, as as it were? Uh, that's a, a very good good question, and I think um, the strength of the Republican Party as a political force uh, depends a lot on how that question is answered. Um, Trump is trying to overturn the results of an election. Uh, he has a two-part strategy. His legal strategy is to try to delay or prevent um, certification of election results. His political strategy is to put pressure on uh, Republican officials, uh, irrespective of whether the results are certified, uh, to have Republican state legislatures across the country uh, ignore the election results and award uh, Trump electors um, in states that uh, Biden won. Um, that is a um, serious assault on American democracy. Uh, and there is every reason to believe that the United States has the fairest and most honest elections in all of human history uh, and no reason to believe that this election was uh, any exception. Uh, despite that, um, there is a uh, disheartening and discouraging array of Republican uh, elected officials and party officials uh, who are accomplices and supporters of this attempt to overturn uh, the results of an American presidential election. 
uh, as you perceived far earlier than I did, um, Trump has turned the Republican Party into the political equivalent of a vanity press. Uh, it is there to support uh, whatever he decides is in his best interest at any point in time. Uh, and there's just an insufficient number of Republican officials uh, who are willing to chart a uh, independent course. I largely gave them space. Um, didn't think that every Republican official needed to denounce every act of misbehavior that uh, Trump engaged in in office. Uh, but this is serious stuff. This is the time uh, where there is indeed a line. Uh, and I want to give a shout out uh, to the one Republican official in Arizona uh, who has done uh, the honorable thing uh, in the face of this uh, Trump onslaught, and that's um, Chairman of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, uh, Clint uh, Hickman, uh, who at the height of this uh, issued a uh, open letter uh, to uh, Maricopa County voters uh, defending the honesty and integrity of uh, the election that the county conducted. Uh, and now the Board of Supervisors, which is controlled by Republican Republicans, actually took over uh, the actual counting of the vote from the Democratic elected uh, county recorder uh, before this election. So he was he was defending a vote counting process that actually occurred under uh, the direction of officials that reported directly to the Republican members of the Board of Supervisors. Uh, but ex except for um, Supervisor Hickman uh, and the other Republican members of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, uh, this has been a pretty shameful uh, display uh, and engagement. So it seems like there's a few different categories of uh, of Republican right now. It seems like, you know, uh, there are some that have been vocal against Trump from the beginning, someone like a Jeff Flake, who is who is very conservative <laughs> from an ideological perspective, um, except maybe a little bit different, not, not exactly a hardliner immigration, but I'm, I'm pretty much all other issues, very conservative. Um but it's been against Trump vocally from the beginning. Then you have a category of, of Republicans that um, you know never went full Trump, but but you know played along and, and supported him for the election uh, and the reelection, and um, and never really called him out for anything. Um, and then you have a, a group of uh, of uh, just full on Trump loyalists who are who are cheerleading everything. These are the ones that are. Um, you know, retweeting all the, all the sort of, uh, Trumpist grifter, uh, media, media types, uh, and that are calling, you know, imitating all the, all these election claims. Um, it, do you think that's a fair way to, to categorize the different, um, players in this from the, from the Republican party, or would you put different labels on them or? I think it's a fair uh, description, and, and uh, get, getting back to your first question, um, there's no question that overwhelmingly this has been and remains uh, Trump's Republican Party. 
um, whether there's finally a uh, wake up and a realization that the Republicans, because of their uh, dalliance uh, with Trump, uh, have a major problem and a major uh, hangover uh, and will move beyond Trump. Um, I think is a critical question. I don't know the answer to it, uh, but I think it's a critical question as to uh, Republicans' likely uh, fortunes. And we will see it as early as January in the runoff elections in Georgia. Right. You, you've got Trump denouncing uh, the Republican governor, lieutenant uh, governor, and secretary of state of Georgia uh, for not... Um, being willing to overturn the certified results. Uh, now um, the count has been, has occurred three different times in Georgia um, in, in order to help him with this uh, attempt to overturn uh, the election. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> you've got voters in Georgia. On the one hand, uh, Trump is saying that uh, the election uh, was fraudulent and was rigged. Uh, on the other hand, saying, go elect these two uh, Republican senators. Meanwhile, um, trashing uh, the Republican state officers uh, that are currently on the job in one election, unlike Trump, yeah. uh, in, in Georgia. I, yeah. I, I think the Republicans are close to handling handing uh, control of the U.S. Senate um, to the Democrats. Well, and plus things like just today, we recorded this on a on a Tuesday, uh, December eighth. But just today, Trump was on Twitter basically gloating about how Jeff Flake um, had to drop out of the out of the Senate race and not run for reelection in Arizona. It's like, meanwhile, there's now two Democrats sitting in the in the Arizona. Uh, Senate seats. But I mean, thinking about like moving forward, there's even in moving forward in Arizona, we have uh, important elections coming up in, uh, in 2022. And you'd imagine that you'd see, uh, you know, these strong Trump loyalists still looking to run in primaries and stuff. So I guess my next question is what, uh, don't you think it's a good idea for these, uh, for, for these, Republican politicians who are not willing to go along with um, straight up delegitimizing American democracy for the fit, for the sake of Trump, do you think it's time for them to actually speak up more and to you know verbalize more and to and to start to defend their party uh, more more strenuously than just trying to wait it out and, and, and just go along with things that in their conscience they probably know is wrong, but figure, let me just not say anything because then I'm going to get attacked on Twitter and I'm going to, I'm going to lose these, these base supporters. Is it time for them to start, uh, to start fighting back, um, and start to win, win people back from, um, from the Trump grips? I think it is a time irrespective of the consequences, uh, to, um, denounce these attempts uh, to overturn uh, the results of an American presidential election. Uh, there are certain things that are worth losing your seat or your office over. Uh, in my judgment, uh, for anyone um, 
with a conscience, uh, this is uh, one of those occasions. As to what, on a going forward basis, um, the approach of candidates should be to Trump uh, or with him or against him, uh, in part depends upon the extent to which he continues to call the shots uh, in Republican Party uh, politics. And uh, that's a question of the extent to which uh, Reagan's conservative party has become Trump's America first populist party. Uh, and I don't think that we will know that until Trump is out of office and we see the extent to which uh, he continues to be able to call the shots in Republican Party politics or the extent that to which he recedes and is just one of uh, many votes. Um, I do believe, as I've said all along, uh, beginning in 2016, in Arizona, uh, Trump is a drag on Republican fortunes. Uh, and to the extent he remains a presence uh, in um, state politics in 2022, he will hurt uh, the uh, political fortunes of the Republican candidate for U.S. Senate uh, and the Republican candidate for governor. Um, so I simply don't know where sentiment among Republican primary voters currently is and will be in two years. Um, certainly there needs to be those who are advocating a post-Trump future for the Republican Party if the Republican Party is going to um, regain uh, its um, position, uh, at least in uh, Arizona politics, and I suspect that's true in national politics as well. So would you advise, uh, if you were an advisor to, you know, someone like Doug Ducey or Mark Burnovich or Karen Fan or, or a state lawmaker like Karen Fan or like a TJ Shope, would you be advising to, hey, this is, this is going to be um, the, the fight of the future. You better stake your your argument it's an early and even like should do see like attack trump directly out on out on twitter or something is it, how how far would you um i mean i you just you just seem to say that it doesn't matter what the outcome is that this um this is significant enough to be willing to risk that um but how what what, what specifically in terms of messaging would you uh, would you be uh, would you want to see from 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 Republicans that still have a conscience? Well, I, I will separate it into what should be said and done right now um, when there is a concerted attempt to overturn the results of an American presidential election. That, I believe, is a call um, to speak up uh, and uh, renounce um, and uh, denounce that effort. Going forward, if you're a, re a candidate that wants to run on the Republican ticket for a higher office, um, 
I think what's important, and I've said this all along in the era of Trump, uh, it is to, first of all, establish your own independent political persona, uh, defined neither pro-Trump or anti-Trump, um, but establish your own independent political persona. Uh, then, um, uh, putting on my old political consultant hat, which is awfully dusty. It hasn't been uh, donned and exercised uh, in over two decades. Um, but my advice would be uh, to wait and see um, the extent to which Trump remains a force in Republican politics after he's out of office uh, to determine, uh, assuming you're someone who rejects his style of politics at a minimum, uh, and perhaps some of his policies as well, uh, whether uh, you need to uh, go after um, him uh, and uh, criticize him directly, uh, or uh, whether he will not be uh, such a compelling force that you have to do something that will alienate, um, perhaps unnecessarily, um, what will remain a uh, significant part of the Republican electorate. Um, populist conservatives have always been at least about a quarter to a third of the uh, Republican electorate. Uh, that won't change. Um, so in terms of the calculating political calculus, uh, I think it would be, except for this particular episode, premature to be going on an anti-Trump crusade until it's uh, established that he remains that kind of a force that uh, can't be uh, overcome without taking it on directly. But in the, but the immediate term, uh, definitely call out the shenanigans and the um, and the attempt over, I mean, that's just, it's kind of hard. I was like a little bit struggling to even talk about it because it's, it's kind of a hard thing to just even kind of comprehend that that's what's going on, that you've got a, you've got a, you got a president and a political party, um, or the major, uh, chunks of a political party, you know, pretty much trying to overturn the results of an election. And it's hard to, it's hard to kind of comprehend that what the, what the significance is of that. I absolutely agree, and you were more prescient uh, about this uh, than I was. You anticipated uh, that Trump uh, might uh, very well not accept um, defeat. I hope that I was right, uh, that American uh, institutions are strong enough to withstand that. I, I believe uh, I am. Uh, and I believe that we will see Joe Biden inaugurated on uh, January 20th. Um, I, I actually kind of think it would be a better celebration of American democracy uh, if Trump refused to, to come. I know Biden has expressed a desire for him to be there. Uh, but at a minimum, he is going to be Mr. Sourpuss. Um, and uh, at a maximum, he will be a disruptive uh, force. I think it might be the start of the country getting over him if um, he just stays away. 
Yeah. Well, I think, I think there is also a benefit of, uh, and I know I've been anti, I've been one of the themes of our podcast is that, uh, me being, uh, alarmist about, about Trump and, and fiercely, uh, against, uh, behaviors and, and words, and you've been more calm and cautious, but I do think it's important to have, uh, someone that has been more calm about this, um, kind of gauge your alarm, uh, of, of the situation. Cause there's not a lot of commentators or, or, or people that have been, uh, really independent, um, in the age of Trump. You've seen so many, um, people just become hair on fire, anti-Trumpists about anything, even things they might've otherwise supported. You know, I think we see that with, um, a lot of policies where, uh, even if it might be a good policy, as soon as Trump supports it, you know, some people will be against it just for that reason. Um, and that kind of skews logic. And on the other side, there's, um, there's so many, you know, conservative minded folks that have just gone full out Trump drinking the Kool-Aid and, and nothing, nothing even is processed logically except in a, in a gut reaction defense of Trump or a celebration when, 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 when Trump gets attacked by someone you don't like. So, um, so I think, (laughs) Um, so that, I think that, that caution, uh, showing alarm now, I think is, is more significant than, you know, someone who's been fiercely anti-Trump saying the same old droning things about, um, about everything. But I think it just highlights the significance of, of the situation that we're in. Last question. The, go ahead. The alarm bells are ringing in my judgment. Uh, just the last question going back to sort of the, the near, near term future, um, is what sort of, you know, we might be in the transition maybe from the Reagan uh, kind of conservative party to a more populist party, but are there, are there any like, are there any sort of policy, policy issues that are, that are maybe sweet spots in the near term, maybe in the related to COVID or um, that, that might be something that could be accomplished by um, or advocated for um, by a conservative, a healthy conservative party um, that you think would be in terms of policy to be, um, fighting for right now? I think that there are, um, enormous opportunities. Um, what's, um, in question, uh, is whether the Republican party remains a vehicle for the expression of conservative points of view. Um, the, uh, in addition to being, um, a personal vessel for Donald Trump, uh, the Republican Party, independent of Trump, uh, is in a complete state of disarray in terms of what it stands for. Um, I think at this point in time, there is some core beliefs that unite uh, Democrats. Um, the, the only thing that unites Republicans at present is a uh, lust for power um, irrespective of how dishonorable the means of uh, trying to achieve it and maintain it. Um, so um, I, do, I, I, I don't know what happens from here, uh, whether the Republican Party uh, once again becomes the political vehicle for the expression of conservative uh, policy views, uh, or whether it becomes a populist, uh, nativist um, party uh, that um, doesn't embrace uh, 
free market economics uh, uh, among a variety of other uh, conservative policy views. Um, yeah. So um, uh, I, I do believe that there are plenty of things for conservatives to be saying that would be useful, um, whether it's useful to say them through the Republican Party anymore, I think is an open question. Wow. I mean, where do they, where do you think, do you think you might be seeing a, a complete restructuring of the I think we may Parties. see an acceleration to a uh, post-partisan political system. Um, I think uh, circumstances are ripe uh, in Arizona for a return of the top two uh, primary uh, reform uh, where uh, we don't have any political support, any taxpayer support for the two political parties. Everybody runs against each other, irrespective of party uh, preference. Um, and the top two run out, run off in, in, in the primary, the top two run off in the general election. I would prefer it to be completely nonpartisan. Um, and I hope that if it is revived, that's what it will be. Uh, but particularly where independents are close to a third of registered voters, uh, and in my judgment, they have become the uh, deciding force uh, in Arizona elections. Republicans can no longer win statewide uh, office uh, doing poorly among uh, independents as they yeah. were able to do for many years. Um, I think Arizona is ripe to move uh, sort of beyond um, partisan politics. That requires someone to pick up that cudgel. Uh, and bring a initiative to the ballot um, and others to provide the resources that are necessary to sell it. Uh, but I think with what the Republican Party has done in the state of Arizona, uh, we're ripe for it. It's more difficult to do that on a national level. Um, uh, but I, I do believe that the, uh, particularly as your generation opts out of uh, partisan politics, uh, young people overwhelmingly register independence. Uh, we may um, see a shift away from partisan politics. In the in the long term, long term, <laughs> some maybe something to to look forward to after after we see what shakes out from uh, this immediate situation that we've talked about with uh, with Trump and his uh, loyal followers um well let's let's leave it there for uh for today last question sports question what's your what's your take on chris paul are you a chris paul fan you happy he's in he's in phoenix um well as you know i've sort of given up on professional basketball and i'm not following it but uh the idea that a 36 year old point guard is a building block uh for a future ornate oriented um basketball team uh, strikes me as uh, <laughs> unlikely, but you are still engaged, still following it. Uh, what's your view? I mean, I'm not a huge Chris Paul fan, um, especially I think a lot of the, the discussion of him has been uh, a discussion of a younger Chris Paul. But even, I mean, even the younger Chris Paul, I think he's only made the, I don't think he's only made the conference finals once. I don't think he's ever made, he's never, never made a finals. 
I think he's only made the conference finals once, maybe some bad luck, but every, everyone that follows it a lot more closely than I do, uh, loves the guy, thinks it's a good move. I don't think it's a long-term build. I think it's like, let's get, let's make uh, Devin Booker happy and get him to the playoffs one time in his, <laughs> in his career. So I hope, hopefully I'll be cheering him on. I think they start next week. Uh, so I was, I was a little bit sad to see Rubio go, but uh, I trust the, the basketball minds and, and commentators who followed it a little bit more closely than I do. Um, but thanks everybody for listening to the political notebook podcast. Uh, you can listen on uh, any podcasting app, Apple, uh, Stitcher, uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thanks.